Thank you, Lord. Well, in, in anticipation of this morning, I felt that the Lord wanted to do something very special for you. How many are glad you came today? This is your special day. In fact, there's a sale on today. And the sale is the Lord's going to give you his presence today. And it's not going to cost you anything. Yet it's going to cost you everything. But it's a good trade-off, isn't it? Turn to the book of Galatians, if you would, to start with me this morning. And chapter 1. And we, we look at Paul. And he said these words. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I want to talk to you this morning about what happens in our union with God. God's main purpose in sending Christ to die for our sins was not only to forgive you, that's your benefit, but his benefit was he may find a people that could be one with him. The kingdom of God is not built upon doctrines or churches or creeds or practice. The kingdom of God is built upon the relationships that God creates with man through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when we look to Christ, we see the one that came as the Son of God, not only representing God, but he was the very essence and the very nature of who God is. Because Jesus was God, yet he was the Son of God. So being the Son of God, he became the perfect duplication of the Father in every aspect. And he went as far as saying that if you've seen me, you've actually seen the Father. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? How would you like to be walking with Jesus on the earth and he say those words to you and you look at him and say, well, there's the Father because that's Jesus. He's the perfect representation of the Father's heart. See, everything in the kingdom begins in the heart of God. He's the beginning. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's everything. In him we live and move and have our being. In God, everything exists that does exist. Everything that we see, everything that we know, everything that happens is because it's already been in the heart of God. So you're no accident. You're here for a purpose. You're here with a destiny. You're something more than you thought you were, in fact. Humanity is guilty. The Christian side of humanity is guilty of not thinking like they should think. We tend to think like the devil wants us to think, or we try to think like the world teaches us to think. But God has given you a new mind. He's put in you a new spirit. And you have the mind of Christ. Now, when you have the mind of Christ, you begin to see everything through a different lens and filter. Because now you don't see the impossible. You don't see the defeat. You don't see that everything's going down. You see the plan of God. And so you see the victory. Amen? Thanks be to God. 
who's given us this victory through Jesus Christ. There's not one of you here that's destined to lose, but every one of you here are destined to win in Christ. Amen? You have not been created and molded after junk. You've been created and molded after the image of the living God. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. And he is the hope of glory. There's one living in you greater than he that lives in the world. There's nothing that will come nigh thy dwelling place that you cannot speak and have it go away from you. You are the victorious ones in Jesus Christ. You've been justified by faith. Because of your faith, God has made you pure and made you whole. Amen? You don't have to worry about your past sins because your past sins have been forgotten. Amen? You don't have to worry about your present sin because God has given you an advocate with the Father. And if you sin in this hour, you can confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. You've been made perfect in God. Turn to someone and say, you're pretty perfect looking yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord says, I'm going to reveal his son in me. He's going to reveal his son in me. Now, let's go into that just for a moment. The process of transformation in your life to bring you to the point that you're able to say, he is being revealed in me is a very interesting process, isn't it? It's called the process of sanctification. The process of sanctification, we see justification cleanses us, forgives us, but sanctification establishes us and equips us to become like him. We're being sanctified by the blood of Jesus. So this morning, Lord, we're asking that you sanctify us. And being sanctified actually means to be set apart, to be set apart to be with him. And in that process of separation, God begins the maturation process in your life of transforming you into his image. That's what maturity is all about, isn't it? You're born a babe in Christ, but the ultimate goal of every Christian is to be found mature. And to be mature means that you're actually revealing the, the will and the heart of God instead of something that's coming out of yourself. And we even get to the point, it says in maturity, that we begin to speak as an oracle of God. We begin to represent him in every aspect. Not only in his nature, which is his love, and his mercy, and his grace, but we also reveal in his authority over the powers of darkness, over the power of flesh, and over the power of sin. We also begin to reveal his power in the working of miracles. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the word of knowledge, uh, the, word, the, the word of wisdom, the, the word, speaking in tongues. That's part of it, isn't it? And we begin to move in the things that God wants us to move in. And we begin to move as he moved and speak as he speaks and go as he goes. Hallelujah. So the process of maturation, the book of Ephesians says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers... For the equipping of the saints, until we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness that's in Christ Jesus. That's being grown up, isn't it? To become like Christ. Everybody say, like Christ. Like Christ. 
So I love this process, but I begin to see that the greatest hindrance to growth is the inability for us to receive. How many like to give? How many like to receive? Okay, receiving is more difficult than giving. Because when we receive something, we oftentimes build walls because we're afraid of what's going to be entering into us. We're afraid of being vulnerable to the things that might harm us or hurt us. But the greatest thing that God has come to give you is found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. Okay. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Well, let's skip down. Let's skip down to verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Everybody say, poured out. Poured out. The greatest hindrance to completion in our maturation process of becoming like Christ is our ability to receive the love of God. Did you know that in the love of God, everything exists? Because without love, nothing means anything. How many have ever been a part of a religion that really preached a lot of doctrine, but they didn't have much love? Religion doesn't have much love, does it? It has traditions, it has doctrines, it has rituals. But love is the most single most important thing that God has come to give us. Because without love, nothing means anything, does it? You can, have, you can cast out the dead, you can prophesy, you can raise the dead, you can heal the sick, you can cast out devils. But unless you have love, you have nothing. Lord, give us your love. Let your love so penetrate us, so saturate us, that nothing else but that love now can come forth out of us. In other words, in the old term I used to use, Lord, give us a double dose of your love. Amen? Everything God does is a result of that love. Now, the scripture says that faith, faith worketh by love. How many here some faith this morning? Not very many of you have any faith. Do you? How many have some faith? <laughs> Did you know that faith is important? And with faith, you please God. With faith, you can move mountains. Within faith, you can create a whole different lifestyle, or a whole different plan for your life. Without faith, nothing works. But you know what is worse than not having faith is not having love. Because faith, even if you have faith, the Bible said God gives to every one of us a measure of faith. And even if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, can you see the mustard seed up here? If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say thou be removed to the mountain into the sea and it'll happen. Could I venture to say something that could be controversial? 
I have a feeling that majority of you here have enough faith. Yet we spend most of our time, God, give me more faith. If I had faith, I could go in and I could clean the hospitals out. If I had faith, man, I could, I could lay hands on people and they would be transformed instantly. If I had faith, my finances would turn around and everything would be okay for me. Oh, God, why don't I have more faith? God said, your faith hasn't been working because you don't have enough love. Faith works by love. Faith has to have the motivation of God in it in order for it to be valid. It's not an external thing you pull out of the heavens. Oh, give me some more faith. No, faith is released because love's motivation cares about something. Back in the early 70s, I, we had a church in Lubbock called Halal Chapel. And my, my wife is thinking, uh-oh, let's don't go there. Had a, mostly had disenfranchised people. There was a few normal people there, my wife and I. And uh, <laughs> but it, it was it was we had fire in the house. We had five services a week. I was at this time about twenty six, and I was the oldest person in the church, and I'm the only one who had a job. <laughs> but we did have a Volkswagen van. If you've seen that Jesus Revolution, I was in that tent that you see in that movie, okay. Um, but one service, we had this man in our church named Ernie and his wife, what was, and Ernie was about five foot one, and because he was so short in stature, he had this issue, and so he went and became a black belt in karate so he could overcome his shortness of stature. And Marie, Maria, he was married and he had two children at the time and he was having so much trouble and he ends up striking his wife and she runs to our house and told us that he'd done that and so we had a little place to stay in the back and we put her and the two kids there to protect her. And uh, so we went by for a few days, and I, we had a service. It was a night service, and I'm standing up there, and all of a sudden, I see Ernie walk in, and he had uh, a couple of guys with him, and I knew something was wrong. So I immediately went back to the back, and he was so mad. He, he was accusing me of breaking up his family, you know, after he hit his wife. And... Uh, so he just got madder and madder and madder, and he had been drinking. So I'm standing there, and as he began to curse me and begin to uh, uh, speak ill of me, I, I looked at him, and I began to cry, and I said, I love you. I love you. So that enraged him further. So all of a sudden, I, I could see he jumped up in the air, 
So he came with both hands at the same time and hit both my ears at the same time, which totally disorients you. And it hurts like crazy, <laughs> you know, and hits me. And I could see guys in the corner of my eyes that were wanting to come over there to, you know, defend their pastor. And I just shook them off. And, and uh, I said, Ernie, I love you. And he looked at me and, and just it became so enraged. He went running out of the building. And the next day I'm in our house next door to the church and there's a screen door. And I'm in there sitting in the, the house and I hear a knock. And I look, you know, I, I don't see anybody. But so I get up out of my chair and I walk over and I start looking out the window. Where did they go? And then I opened the door to see if I could see them. And I couldn't open the door. And I looked down there. Ernie's laying on the ground. And I couldn't. And I had. And I pushed. I said, Ernie, get up a bit off the ground. And so he just grabs my ankles and begins to weep and says, I, "Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me." And it showed me right then that love. Love will conquer anything. And the same man, sometime later, he was working construction, and we were having another service. We had services all the time. And so all of a sudden, during the worship, these guys come in. I don't know if it's the same guys or not, but they're carrying Ernie. Ernie had fell off the ladder, off the house, and they said he was paralyzed. I don't know for sure how much paralyzed, but they, we didn't go to the hospitals back there much. But, so they brought him to church. He said, bring me to church. And so they laid Ernie out in, in the church. And, and so I saw him there, and he couldn't even move. And so I went down, and I laid across his body and began to weep. And, and I didn't pray for him to get healed. I just wept and cried out, oh, God. And then Ernie was healed just like that. Now, what healed him? What healed him? Was it faith? Love healed him. That's when Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember the story? Lazarus was in the grave clothes, in the grave, already stinketh. <laughs> Do you know there's a lot of people in this world that already stinketh? <laughs> Bitterness will cause you to stink. Anger will cause you to stink. How many of you guys ever got angry at your wife or, you know, and then you go in the other room and after the confrontation and all of a sudden you start smelling something. <laughs> You're smelling your own stink. You're smelling that thing that's not right. That bitterness, that anger, that rejection. It smells, doesn't it? How many of you know love smells? Love smells like someone just brought a whole bouquet of flowers into the room. If you bring someone that's got anger into the room, that's the opposite, isn't it? We need to get out the air freshener. We need to spray the love of God. Hallelujah. Everybody say love, 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 love. 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 Wow. And so Lazarus was in this grave, and, the, and they went and they told him, Jesus, if you would have come earlier, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll never die. But Jesus wept because his friend Lazarus was dead. Wept. What was he weeping? 
because he didn't have enough faith to raise Lazarus? No, he, he's weeping because he's so identified with Lazarus' trial, Lazarus' death, that it moved him with compassion. Did you know that when God looks at you and he sees that you're, 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 you're going down the wrong path or he sees you're putting yourself in a grave, he sees that you're in a place that's, that's almost unescapable, did you know that he weeps over you? He cries over you. He loves you so much that his heart is broken over you. When we reject God, it doesn't make God mad, but it breaks his heart because he's so connected to those that God has redeemed through his blood. That the Lord says, I have sympathy for you. I emphasize with you. And he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. But that cry wasn't because Christ needed faith. It was because the love of God was released out of his, the essence of who he was. I was in a restaurant, and, and Sue don't like me telling this story much, but I've got to tell it because it was so powerful. <laughs> One thing about being married 54 years to a preacher, you hear the stories so many times that they literally wear you. <laughs> and she's the only one, though, because when you start telling stories, and if you start embellishing them a little bit, and after five or ten years, you, the embellishment becomes a fact. <laughs> but I'm not embellishing this story. <laughs> we were preaching in uh, Irvin, Texas, and um, a little church there, and our kids were really little. You guys were little. Maybe you were five six. He was a terror when he was five or six. And um, so we get, we're staying at the pastor's house. That's always the most lovely thing you can do, by the way. And so we're staying at the pastor's house and we get to the house and I don't want to go in there and uh, hang around, you know. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going down here to the coffee shop and get some pie. So I went in this restaurant and I'm sitting in the booth minding my own business. i was tired because I ministered, and, and so I'm sitting there, and I had my head down, and I'm eating my pie, and all of a sudden, I see something on the corner of my eye, and I look up, and there's a, 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 a lovely young lady that's sitting in the booth with me all of a sudden, and uh, so I didn't say anything to her. I just looked at her, and so she starts talking, and it didn't take long, maybe couple of words before I realized this was not a good situation. And the more she talked, the more it became obvious that this was not a place that is proper. And so I just looked at her and I said, Lord, you need to touch this young lady. And I just looked at her with my eyes. And if you want to try it after church, I'll look at you also. But I was looking at her eyes <laughs> and I could feel God's love. And she's talking and talking and talking, and the conversation is degrading further and further and further, and I just keep looking and looking and looking. And then all of a sudden, she stops talking, and tears start rolling down her eyes. And I felt the glory. She said, what is that? I said, honey, that's the first words I said to her. Honey, that's the love of Jesus Christ. Wow. 
in the moment of a twinkling of eye, that lady's life was transformed and changed because at that very moment she met him face to face. She met him through me. That's what Paul said. Reveal yourself through me. How many feel the presence? Wow. You know, I I wish I would have noticed what time I started talking. <laughs> so let's just start it like it's starting now. <laughs> when we reject God's love, it's, it's like rejecting Him. When we reject what God says about us, it's like rejecting Him. What does God say about you? Probably not what you're saying about yourself, but God sees you. The special creation that you are, even when you were in your mother's womb, God saw that creation. And He had a plan for you. He has a destiny for you. And God's known you since the beginning. Before you were even, He knew you. And He still knows you today. He wants to love you. When we accept that love, it means we have to get rid of all those feelings that we've been carrying about ourselves all those years. My greatest enemy has not been the devil. I don't think the devil has any power or authority over you if you're in Christ. He defeated him on the cross. My biggest challenge has been me. What I've thought about myself. I've let so many of my shortcomings and failures in my life define me. But I don't want that. I don't think you do either. I want him to define me. I want him to say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I want him to define my, my, my thoughts and my ways and my path. I don't want to define it because I mess it up every time. But I want to be so in Christ and so receiving of who he is that I take down every one of the walls. You see, the walls tend to rescue you from intimacy. Our walls, we tend to build walls so that love will not penetrate and expose what's really in our hearts. How many want to be free this morning? How many want to be free? Amen. Then open your heart to God's love. He said He will pour out. God takes a big pitcher full of love and just pours it on you. What does love do? It illuminates the areas of your life that are dark and hidden. 
Because it's only through the exposure of the darkness in our hearts that we can find freedom. Because if we insist to keep on walking in the darkness and the deceptions of our own heart, we'll find that it'll continually be like something that hurts and harms and destroys us. But if we'll let God's love in, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. He wants you to love him with everything because he first loved you and gave his life for you. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, let, our, let us open our hearts this morning to receive your love. The sons of God, the daughters of God, we really only have one ministry. No, just one ministry on the earth. It's amazing how many ministries we've invented. But there's really only one. That's to impart the love of God to the world. Yet we spend all of our time trying to find a ministry. The only run really one ministry. Part the love of God to the world. Yeah, but shouldn't I learn to do this and this and this and this? Yeah, you'll learn all that. But you don't have to learn it. It just becomes natural when you love. I mean, if you have to learn how to heal somebody, I mean, what are you doing? When you love someone, you'll, get, you'll heal them. Oh, I need to learn how to prophesy. Well, when you love someone, you'll speak the Word of God to them. I need to learn how to preach. Man, if I could preach, uh, preach, then, I, man, I could set myself on high. No, just start loving people. We don't need more preachers. We need more lovers. Hallelujah. Oh, if I could just learn how to be a good husband. No, just start loving your wife. There's only so much you can teach on how to be something good, but the goodness of God is the love of God revealed. Now, I'm not discounting all classes and the things we do. Yes, those are great, but they're only add-ons to the main thing. The main thing is to love. If you love, if you give, if you lay down your life, you create a pathway for people to walk on. Hallelujah. And so your sacrifice of giving love that others find support and strength just as Christ gave himself for us a ransom for many 
that none of us, no, none of us were worthy, nor are we still worthy, because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. There's no righteous man or woman in this place this morning apart from who he is. You bring nothing to the table. Nothing, my friend, nothing. Your intellectualism, your, your, your ability to comprehend in the natural, your, uh, your charismatic strengths mean nothing in the sight of God. The only thing that means anything is your yieldedness to him so that he can be expressed through you. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what Paul said. <laughs> he said, man... I'm just pastoring a bunch of dumb and unlearned and ignorant people. <laughs> and Paul said, I, I have determined to know nothing among you, even though he was one of the most intellectual scholarly men of his generation, one of the most feared intellectuals that lived on the earth in that hour. He said, I've determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified, that he may be revealed in me, that, that your faith should not stand in the persuasive words of men's wisdom or the knowledge of this world, that your faith should not stand in anything other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. So whatever we've got, it ain't much compared to what he has. I'm not, I'm not on a self-help development program. When you get to be 75, you kind of give up on all that anyway. I mean, it's not going to work, <laughs> right? I know most of you thought I was 55, but I'm actually 75. But I, I, the older I get, the more I realize I don't have anything to give except him. And Lord knows how many times I fail in doing that. And now we all fail in it, don't we? But we don't let the failure bother us because it's not our righteousness. It's not our strength. It's not our power. It's not our worthiness. None of our, this is us. It's him through us. Christ in me is the hope of glory. So every day I get up and say, Lord, just let Christ be in me. A lot of days I don't let that happen. But man, I just keep going back and back and back and back. Hallelujah. Lord, show us your love. When we open up to the love of God, everything works. Hallelujah. It's like putting the oil in the, the old machine, isn't it? It's going to work now. When we receive the love of God, everything begins to work. Everything begins to happen. Everything begins to change. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. <laughs>